Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Come on, someone, give Jesus a big praise in the room today. Amen, amen. Hey, God is good. And all the time. How many know that's just good theology? I just like to remind you, family, God is good, and he is good all the time. And we welcome you in the house, full house today, welcoming all of those online. Can those in the house welcome those in their houses? We welcome you online, church. Good to see you with us. Amen. And it is an honor to be able to be here. If you uh, don't know me, I am Pastor Eric, and I am a pastor emeritus. I get to uh, be a helper. I help. I'm a helper. I'm a helping pastor. And uh, it is good uh, to be a part of Thrive Church. How many love your church? Yes. We love our church. I want to thank Pastor Chris for the opportunity to share God's word with you today as we continue our sermon series, Inside Out. Um, and as you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word, we do this here at Thrive to publicly demonstrate the preeminence of God's word. This is not a religious act to stand. We are actually doing this fully rationally, contemplating, meditating, focusing on the reality, the reality that God's word reigns over our lives. That his ways are better than our ways. That his opinion is more important than your opinion. Oh, that got softer. All right. How about this one? That how he feels about something is more important than how you feel about something. Oh, yeah, just as long as we got that straight. So God's word, I'll be reading out of 1 Peter, Peter's first letter to the Christians, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2, we're going to read a number of verses here. And the word of the Lord says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. You offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they what? They disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Verse 9 and following, very important where we get to the meat of the talk today. But you are a, go ahead and read it with me, chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him 
who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's why we sing and shout like crazy people. Because we were once in darkness, and now we're in light. We were once slaves, now we're free. That's why I jump like a jackrabbit during worship. Because I know me better than you know me. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Heavenly Father, let our hearts be good soil for your word, not the word of a man, but that your word would bear fruit in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. As we continue the sermon series Inside Out, Inside Out, what we're talking about is spiritual maturity, the spiritual maturation process. The fact that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that moment, that moment of, it's called salvation in Scripture, that moment of redemption, that moment of surrender, that that moment is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of a process. Now, we, we, theologically, we, we understand that we are instantaneously, the, the moment that we confess Christ as Lord, put our faith in him, that we are instantaneously sanctified. That means that in that moment, all our sins are forgiven. The blood of the cross, which we celebrated through communion today, has washed our sins away. That we are no longer guilty, someone say amen. Yeah, he paid a, a bill you could not afford, but you incurred the debt. He paid it. So in that moment, instantaneously, we are sanctified. We are, we are forgiven. We are made new. However, we also understand that we are progressively sanctified. That in time, we grow and we learn because, because we get saved doesn't mean we know everything. We got to learn. There are some things that people think are right that are, are wrong, but they don't know they're wrong because although they've been saved, their minds are catching up to the truth. They're discovering. What, oh, and it's not okay to do this? Oh, what do you mean it's not okay to say that? Well, I don't, it's all new to them. So we are progressively sanctified. So that's what the sermon series is really about. It's about us growing in our relationship with Christ. Not plateauing, not freezing, not, not stopping, because I don't even know that you can, like, really plateau. I think we're either progressing or we're declining, generally speaking. Like, we're either making progress or we're kind of falling back. So it's about uh, on purpose, intentionally growing. Now, you show that you have a desire for that by being here today, by being with us online. You show that intent when you open your Bibles in your own, your, own, your own Tuesday and you want to read the word for you or you spend some time in prayer. When you catch yourself saying something you know you shouldn't say, like all of that is steps in our progress. And so we've talked about various qualities of a maturing believer, of a, of a believer that's growing. And today's topic is influence. It's influence. And 
I, I went to uh, the, 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 this letter that Peter wrote because I, because I think that um, the context of who Paul is writing to and what's going on at the time, it feels, it feels more and more like today than ever. At the time of Peter's writing his letter to these Christians that are kind of dispersed throughout most of uh, Asia, uh, where Turkey is now, that general area, um, there was great persecution. Nero was the emperor of Rome at the time. And uh, we know that just maybe a year or two after Peter writes this letter, uh, Rome burns. The Christians were already kind of on the fringes of society. There were people lying on the Christians, what they were doing. Um, in fact, we, part, part, we uh, partook of the Lord's table today. So one lie that was put on the early Christians in Rome, in particular during this time, is that when they would partake of the cup and the bread, uh, honoring the work of Christ on the cross, they were accused of killing children, human sacrifices, and actually eating the flesh and drinking the blood of people. This was a lie that was put on the Christians. They were made scapegoats. And the persecution of, of the Christians exploded under Nero. They were used to light the, the, the Roman roads. They were set on, Christians were set on fire as human torches. They were fed to lions in the Colosseum. They were slayed uh, by gladiators as entertainment. And Peter's writing to Christians at this point in, in history, like real history. And I think that uh, we see disruption in the world today. We, Christians are more and more pushed to the margins. We're lied on. People lie about what it means to be a Christian. They call us bigots and closed-minded and archaic and old-fashioned and all kinds of things that we're small-minded and we're flat-earthers and all kinds of accusations of Christians. See, there's pressure. There's pressure on the church. But it's not new, so don't throw yourself a little hissy fit. Don't go cry yourself a river. What else can I say? We'll call you a wambulance. You know, all those kinds of things. Don't throw a pity party, right? Because, hey, they went through it. We'll go through it. They ain't setting you on fire yet. I'm just kidding. It's okay. I'm just kidding. But the Christians have been persecuted throughout history. But what Peter does here is he doesn't let them throw a pity party. Instead of, instead of making excuses for the Christians and now they're dispersed because they're, they're, they've had to flee uh, their, home, their homes and because they're under duress. He doesn't let them off the hook. He says, even in this moment in time, when there is persecution and there is pressure and you've been dispersed, there is a calling on your life. There is a purpose for you. You still have influence. And I want to tell you that the church has always, the Christian church has always done better under fire. Pressure leans you out. Trauma and, 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 and stresses um, and um, tragedy and challenges clear your eyes. What's really important? What really matters? Who you really are? What your convictions really are? Pressure makes a church better. What I want to talk to you about is influence. Because just as the Christian church at that time, although under tremendous pressure, flourished and the gospel spread. You can't put the church out. You can't stamp the fire of the gospel out. 
when you stomp on the fire of the gospel, the sparks fly. And it spread throughout Asia, the Middle East, throughout Europe. Couldn't stop it. It's still true today. Influence. Peter talks about challenges to Christians. What influences you and, and how do you influence others? I was at my son's baseball game the other day. Well, yeah, the other day, he went three for three with two doubles and a triple. He's going to help me retire. And I was talking with one of the moms, and, and we were just talking about kids. And she's like, you know, my son, my son, he, he listens to everybody except me. And I'm like, really? I've never heard of such a thing, that little monster. How many know that's just, it's almost like a law of nature, like gravity. Thou child shall not listen to thy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, yeah, I get it. I know, isn't that rough? And, and, and the reality is if you've raised children, there are indicators of the maturity of, of your child. Um, one, I mean, there's several, there's lots, but one is who is he listening to? That's an indicator. So if you're a young person here, just so you know, your parents are watching you to see who holds sway in your life. Thank you. If you're, <laughs> write that down. If, if you're 14 and other 14-year-olds carry more weight than your parents or your teachers, you're immature. That's just, that's just the truth, right? We know that like as an adolescent grows up, if they start to listen to you, if they start to listen to good teachers, as they start to read good books, as they start to, spiritually, they start to weigh the voice of God in their young lives more than their other adolescent friends, you see maturity. Someone say amen. That's true. Now, it's true of us as adults as well. What influences us? What voice carries the greatest weight in our lives? Is it a boss? Is it the voice of financial pressure? That when there's a financial watershed moment, crossroads, that our integrity might be for sale? Is it the voice of, of, uh, of stresses in life that drag us into fits of rage or into lack of self-control. We have got to come to terms with this very real thing, just like a teenager does. What influences our lives? I've known good people who love the Lord. They've been saved for 30 years, but they have a hard time giving because they're afraid of the financial concerns. And, and, and can I just tell you, it really doesn't make, matter how much they make. They can make a lot of money and still have the, this abiding fear. What voices rule and hold sway in our hearts? There are some who were hurt as children and have this shadow of inferiority. So they're always defensive. No matter, they can love the Lord, they can know that Jesus died for them, that God loves them enough to give, uh, to give his son up for them. Like they know that, but there's still this, this voice of inferiority that holds sway over them. What influences us? What are the influences in our lives? 
Now, last week, are you still with me? Thank God, I know I got serious. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about identity, and I want to make a point because, I, because, because Peter does. I want you to know that the spiritually mature value themselves. The spiritually mature person values him or herself. Identity matters. See, friend, take yourself very seriously. You are a world of potential. You are a son, daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Your words have power. You have gifts and you have talents. You have learned lessons that need to be shared with others. You have experiences. Some of us have scars. Anyone else have a scar? You got a scar? That's a testimony to the goodness of God. Some of us, maybe most of us have endured tremendous scars and there's some, but the Lord has healed it and there could be someone bleeding right next to you that thinks they'll never get over it. They'll never heal. They'll always be hurting, but you can share. No, look at my scars. The God who heals me will heal you. Just stick with it. Just stay with it. So my friend, take yourself seriously. Value yourself. Look at how Peter describes the believer. We read it together. We're going to put it on the screen. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That is you. Don't believe, believe the lie of the enemy. Don't think that the resources he's given you aren't valuable. Stop comparing yourself to someone else who might have more, who might be taller, thinner, have a nice beard. Don't compare yourself to, no, no, just kidding. Let's not compare ourselves to others. Let's stop for a moment and be grateful for who God has made you, for what he has given you, for how he has shown himself to you, take yourself seriously, value yourself. As Pastor Chris mentioned last week, you can't even go forward without knowing who you are. You can't do it consistently. Value yourself. Are you still with me? So Peter starts by, before he leans into influence, he says, hey, you're someone special. Now, you're not special just by yourself. You're really special because God is with you. Because God is in you. Because God calls you special. Because God has shown you his grace. Because he took the filthy rags off of you and put you a royal robe. Because he put a ring on your finger like the prodigal. Because he made you a meal and got you healthy again. Are you with me? You, you take yourself seriously. God wants you healthy. God wants you strong. He wants you to consider that you have real things to do that matter. That there are real people in your life that you can bless. That you were sent here on a mission with purpose. And he empowers you to do it. 
Oh, no one listens to me. No, someone's listening to you. Hey. 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 Hey, you. I want to name my dog, hey. He was either hey or come here. Hey, listen. There is someone watching you. There is someone listening to you. There are those depending on you. And you may not even know it. So let the Lord remind you today of the truth, not my opinion, but the truth of God's word. You are a chosen people. You are a a holy nation means a people set aside, set apart for special purposes. You're his special possession. You belong to him. And then he's... And then he leans in to influence. And and I got to tell you that the spiritually mature are most influenced by who? By God. And it could be when you're on vacation. It could be when you're by yourself. It could be in a boardroom. It could be in a warehouse. It could be in an office. God needs to be, for the spiritually mature, God has got the greatest weight in your life. Because, gosh, let me unpack this just for 30 seconds. Listen, for the believer, see, we're brought into a new kingdom. Uh, It's a whole new reality. It's a whole new dimension. We're brought in to this new reality. The kingdom of God is at hand, John the Baptist said. And then Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. He brought in a whole new reality. So we, 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 we live maybe in Lathrop or Banteca or Stockton. You might work in, you know, uh, Stockton or Modesto or San Jose. But you also live in a very real dimension called God's kingdom. Where in that kingdom there is a king and there are laws. There are expectations. There is a culture, a kingdom culture. Those acceptable norms and practices. Culture. And we are supposed to be in line with the king of all kings. Not the king of your job. Not the king of IBM. Not the, 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 the queen of wherever you work. No, no, no. There is one higher yet. The king of kings and lord of lords. So, so this is our reality. So that when we're making decisions on the daily, we take into consideration those who have authority over us. But there is one yet who's over them. So I will not cross his lines to make you happy. I will not break his laws to curry your favor. I am not for sale. I was already bought. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price. I'm done been sold. I'm for sale again. I've been bought. By the work of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are what? Being built. You're being built. By the builder. By the influencer. I, 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 I was, um, you know, the global affairs, you know, are like all, all on our minds as we pray for Ukraine and peace, that part of the country and um, and, and, and just kind of looking at 
at, at foreign powers as, as NATO meets and they have these conversations. And I, 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 I was reminded that England has a queen, Queen Elizabeth. She has a queen, they have a queen and they honor her and she had tremendous prestige. She lives in a palace. She wears a crown. She has a scepter. She has attendance, but she has no power. She's not in charge of England. Everybody watches her. They love the royals. But she does not make any real difference in the government of that place. For some, there's a reverence, a a revering, a celebrating. There's an honoring of God. But he has no authority in their lives. He has a palace. In Lathrop, it's simple. <laughs> but it works, right? We're here. He has, he, some, some build fine palaces for him. Some might come to see him, but they don't allow him to rule over their lives. So people say, I believe in God. I, be- I even love God but he has no sway over their daily lives. We need to make sure that in the secret place or in the public place, in the workplace, in the family room, and the dining room, out with your buddies or your girlfriends, you gotta make sure there is still a king of all kings and a lord of all lords, an influencer over all other influencers. In your life. Are you with me? That's a sign of spiritual maturity. Is that there is no greater voice than the voice of the Holy Spirit. That there is no greater voice than the voice of Scripture. Now I want you to know that your influence is a gift. Peter takes time to talk about their identity so that they'll recognize that they need to be influenced by God. They belong to him. And so he's the one building them up. And then he says, now you have a purpose in your own life. Verse 11, he writes this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from what? Read it. Abstain from it. Abstain means don't do it. Some people think it's the opposite. Oh, do it? No, don't do it. Don't do the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. I love verse 12. I love verse 12. I love it so much I want it on the screen. Look. It says, it says, live, read the first four words. Live such good lives. Be above reproach. Tip the waitress. The waitress said amen. (laughs) Don't tailgate. Give someone credit in the office. Don't take all the credit. In fact, even when you did it, give someone else some credit. You don't need to shine a light on yourself. Let God do it. Live such good lives. Live such good lives. 
Be so kind. Be so patient. Be so generous. Where'd it go? <laughs> He's trying to make me be good. I see what you're doing. You want me to be patient. Okay. I see. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> Live such good lives among the pagans, those who don't believe, those who don't know God. That although they accuse you of doing wrong, because that's how they are, because they're broken, hurting people. They can't help themselves. They don't know any other way to progress except to push other people down. You hearing me? It's because they just don't know better. It's all they know. It's the rules that they've known. It's the laws that they've learned from their earthly kingdom. But now we play by different rules and laws because we're in the kingdom of God. Live such good lives that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they, they, those very people may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What that means is that live such good lives that those who don't believe, believe. Wow. Live such good lives that those who do not believe will want to believe. Because they want to be like you. They want your smile, even when it's stressful. They want your peace, even when it's difficult. They want your loving kindness, even when they're in pain. Are you following me? Live such good lives. Exercise your influence. Your influence is a gift for divine purpose. You with me? Identity, know who you are. I'm gonna end real quick. Make sure that God is the main influencer of your life, even when no one's watching, or especially even when everybody's watching. Know that your influence, the people in your life, God has put you there to move them closer to Jesus. And then the last thing I wanna admonish you is the same thing that Peter did, those believers. And that is that we need to protect and maintain our influence. You need to protect your influence. You need to maintain it. And this is how you do it. He t Peter tells us in verse 15, he says, for it is God's will. You want to know God's will? Here it is. For it is God's will. It's coming. Well, let me read it for you. I have the verse. Let me read it. For it is God's will, that, before we put, yeah, there, oh, there it is, okay. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people, live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil, live as God's slaves, click, show proper respect to everyone, Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, I'm just going to break this down really, really, really quickly. How do you maintain and protect your influence? It's these things. The first one, the first one is do good. We talked about that. Do good. Do good. Don't return evil for evil. 
turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, do good. Do bless those who curse you. Love those who persecute you because it's not about you. You want to live 80, 90 years about, all about you? Or you can live 80, 90 years for eternal purposes. Choice is yours. Live for yourself or live for God. Do good. Do good. Number two, prioritize God's will. Talk about that all day. Prioritize God's will. Peter describes it as being God's slave. Do the bidding of your master. Do what God wants you to do. Prioritize God's will. These are really simple, but, I want, but he gave them to us, so I want to give them to you. Number three, respect everyone. Show proper respect to everyone, Peter says. Be respectful. You know that if you're having a breakdown in communication with your teenager, maybe... Maybe they don't feel respected by you, mom or dad. Now, we all know they got to respect and honor us. But do you know that that's a person in there with dignity and self-image and self-esteem? And maybe our communication would go better if we would respect that 13-year-old for the person he or she is made in the image of God. You want to maintain your influence? Respect everyone. Don't believe everybody. You don't have to trust everybody. But the image of God in whoever's in front of you is worthy of respect. So we're careful with our words. We're careful with our actions. Are you still with me? Number four, love God's family. If you read through the New Testament, in particular, there's a great, admonition that we're to really take care of one another. We have our earthly family and we have our spiritual family. And God says to honor and care for the believers. We're in this together. Let's influence one another for the good. Let's spur one, on, one another on to good works. Let's Pray for one another. Let's help meet the needs of one another. Love God's family. Next is fear God. Fear God. Now, okay, I'm gonna do this quick. Are you still awake? Okay, in and out will be there. Calm down. It's right there. All right, listen. Fear God. Fear God. Some people, they want to make God like a little baby lamb all the time. What do you mean? I don't got to fear God. God is love. I'm not supposed to fear God. Well, what about all the scriptures that say fear God? Oh, that's not what it means. No, let me tell you, friend, we're to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this is why it's important. And because, and, 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 you know, I don't know, the last few years I've heard people like, pray, you know, oh, daddy God, daddy God. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Like, that's your father. And, and I know, like, a lot of people didn't have dads. And so this is like this intimate, I get it. I get it. But let's not forget he's almighty God. Like, 
He's the Lion of Judah. Now, this is why this is important. This isn't unhealth, unhealthy. With my kids, I always wanted my kids more afraid of me than their friends. I wanted my kids more afraid of me than their friends. Who are they more worried about disappointing me or their friends? I wanted them to worry more about disappointing me than their 13-year-old friends. You know what fear does? Fear, this isn't being terrorized by God. He's not an abusive father. He's a good father. So this is the kind of fear that says, oh, wait a minute. God, God's talking? Oh, wait a minute. God has an opinion. You know what fear does? It makes you stop and look, doesn't it? If you're ever walking at the park and you hear a big, big noise, don't you stop and you look? That's a healthy fear. What's going on? Because two things are happening. Are you still with me? I don't want to lose you because it's really important. These two things are happening. Number one is that God can be getting your attention through his word, through a spirit. He can be getting your attention so you stop so that you can see what you, what you might be able to see if you really look. If you really look, you're gonna see danger. Or if you really look, you'll see compromise. If you really look, you're gonna see potential harm, issues, regrets. If you stop and if you really look, the fear of the Lord makes you stop. Like, what's going on? What's happening? You ever had a sense of like, the Holy Spirit gets you a little nervous? You're like, and you better stop. You better, don't be, keep going. Stop and ask, Lord, what's up? What's going on? What am I, because if you look, you might actually see problems coming your way. Okay? But the second thing is this. When we fear God and we stop, what your word says, what? Wait. Your, your, your word teaches us to do this or not do that, and we stop. We might look and not see the danger. Because you don't always look. You can look really hard and you still don't get it. God, why? But if we fear him, we'll still obey him. Whether or not we see the danger. Whether or not we see the harm. Whether or not we see the... What do you mean, why God? Why is this such a big deal to you? I don't get it. That's fine. Freeze, though, and obey. Even if you don't get it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You got to start learning, see? And the fear of the Lord, those, the, the, when the Spirit speaks and you stop, that's the beginning of wisdom. You rush on. You just do you. You have no chance of getting wiser. You're just going to stay a fool. But if you stop, you learn to stop. Hold your tongue. Careful with your passions. Careful with your commitment. You stop and you weigh, Lord, what are you saying to me? What's going on? It's the beginning of wisdom. Are you following me? I hope that made sense. I was kind of excited about that, but I don't know how well I said it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the last one is be a good citizen. Be a good citizen. Honor the emperor. Be a good citizen. Care about your city. Care about your work environment. Pray for those in leadership. I didn't vote for them. I don't care. Pray for them. You know, I think it's ridiculous when, some, when Christians want certain people to fail because they, they don't agree with them. That does neither you nor anyone else any good. Let's let God set up kings and depose them. But he says, pray for those in authority over you. Pray for wisdom. Pray for breakthrough. Pray for understanding. Be a good 
citizen. Would you stand? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.